What are you going to do in heaven? <sighs> do you know what I'm saying? I said a minute ago about dancing. I think my bones will remove themselves from my flesh if I do not allow them to dance in the presence of the king. I'm not trying to be weird, but it's going to be unbelievable on that day. See, we get a foretaste here. We get a taste. But that day, it'll be on. It'll be all real. You know where it's going to be? It's going to be here. Heaven's coming. Here. That's what the text teaches us. I want to welcome you again to Family Bible Church. I'm so glad you've joined us. This is your first time um, with us. We are so excited that you're here. Uh, it's the lifeblood of our church. People coming and bringing new ideas, new things, new, new thoughts, new perspectives, new backgrounds. We are so, so grateful that you are here. We've been praying for you to be here. It's no accident. You know, I remember whenever I first was dragged into a church service, I was dragged there, and, and uh, I thought, well, you know, it was random. Uh, looking back, and we're going to talk about this today in the service, looking back, you start to realize that, that things are done the way they're done for a reason, and that times in our lives happen for a reason. Jesus started to move in my life just because I kept showing up. So I want to tell you today, if you want to keep showing up, keep showing up. Just keep, keep coming. We're so glad to have you. Real quick, for those of you who maybe have missed a few weeks, I want to go back through. We've been talking. This is Easter Sunday, right? Amen. It's a big deal. Easter, it's a big deal. And we were building the entire series toward today. And if, if you all joined us uh, Friday night, we had a special service right here, right here in front of this cross with these seats. And it was different on Friday. It's different on Easter. We've been talking about walking with Jesus and what that looks like. We've been talking about going and following this literal, physical, real world, world get your hands dirty, touch him, pull on his clothes kind of a Jesus. Jesus wasn't floating around the earth when he was here. He wasn't always wearing white, glowing. We're going to talk about, we talked about that Friday night actually that Judas had to betray him with a kiss. It always amazes me. People say, well, Jesus much just, you know, oh, like that. That's what we think of Jesus. You know what we think, and this is a lie. I'll tell you, this is a lie. We think if we were there, we would have been like, oh, it's Jesus. He's the son of God. We know this guy. We know him. He, we, no, no, no. We wouldn't have known. They didn't know. He was dirty. He would touch unclean people. We talked about that. Even Mary and Joseph, his parents, didn't understand what their son was talking about. Half the time, you have a feeling that they wanted to have him committed. Oh, no, that's, you know, you can imagine those conversations. So your son is the son of God. <clears throat> yeah, about that. He's supposed to be training to be a carpenter. Have you seen him? Oh, yeah, he's at the temple. <laughs> this is the Jesus we follow. The Jesus that was at the wedding feast and blessed, blessed that time by his presence working his first miracle there. If you believe that your marriage is anything but a miracle from God, I think you're mistaken. There's something about standing before the king, saying words that he makes good. Jesus was at a wedding feast. We were there in the baptism and the father spoke and the, son, and the uh, Holy Spirit came down. 
We were there when Jesus went up to people in boats. And this is where you're at. That's what I want to say. If you're a first-time worshiper today, God be praised. Because he went up to people. He didn't go to the temples to find his disciples. He still doesn't go to temples to find his disciples. Amen? You know, he doesn't go. He doesn't look. He doesn't care. You know what it says about God? He's no respecter of man. He doesn't respect what men think are important. But he went beside the sea, and he just went along to people who were working. And he said, hey, you guys, come follow me. It says they were salty dogs. They were just came right out of the ocean. They tasted, you know, they're the guys that their wives were saying, take a bath. That's who Jesus calls into his ministry. He needs people who are not afraid to reach out and touch the unclean, who are not afraid to get their hands dirty working alongside common people. He has no use for people who are holier than thou, self-righteous, clean. He says whitewashed tombs, black on the inside. Jesus cannot use people like that. We watch Jesus heal people with his touch, with his presence. We watch people so desperate for his healing, they would cling to his robes and be healed because of their faith in him, not fully even knowing who he was. We watched, as Matt said earlier, Jesus giving more than enough, more than enough. You know, we live in America and we complain about what we lack, what we lack. Jesus has given us way more than we need to do what he's calling us to do. Jesus taught about being the greatest neighbor. Jesus taught us that God gave us his very image. Have you ever seen a baby? We got some babies in worship today. I think we actually have a nursery going still, but, you know, babies, have you ever seen that and that joy? I want to say something to you today. Have you ever seen the way people act around babies? You could be the crabbiest man on the earth. Crabby. Maybe, I don't, maybe there's some guys who really don't react to my babies, but I can be crabby. I'll talk about myself. I can be crabby. Bad mood. And I walk up, and I saw Malachi this morning. If you guys haven't seen Malachi, you got to meet Malachi. I was like, ah, Malachi. Something happens. We're drawn in. Do you know what? Those babies are endowed with the image of God. And you know what's more amazing than that? Look around. Because something happens as we age that we grow wary of each other. We don't see children of God anymore. We don't. We're not in awe when someone comes up and talks to us. We're not like, oh, I was in such a bad mood, but now I've seen you today, and I'm in a great mood. No. Something happens. We are created in his image. Peter was a building block before he was a stumbling rock. He tripped over getting ahead of Jesus. We do not want to do this. This is all in our walk with the king. And then we went last Sunday, and some people said to me after the service, you ruined Palm Sunday for me in some ways. Because there was this disconnect where the, where the disciples were so caught up in following Jesus that they're like, he's the king, he's coming. We talked about this last week. And then he wept as he rode on the donkey over Jerusalem. He never doubted what he had to do. We read Friday night as he went to Gethsemane how he cried, or how he cried out to his father and sweat blood and said, if there is any way this does not have to come to pass, Take it from me, but your will be done. That is our model, church. If you were a follower of Jesus, that is the way you pray. Your will be done. And Jesus went to the cross. And for those of us who are here, are hitting that cross, it was the most tragic thing ever. Because that, that triumphal entry, that road, the king is coming, the king is coming, gets nailed to a cross. 
and the disciples are scattered. Now, see, you go, well, come on, it's Easter. We want to feel good. Guess what? You get to feel good today because that is not the end of the story. But my fear is if we don't know that part of the story, we have nothing to be excited about. He was pierced for our transgressions. You see, the disciples went away disillusioned. Before we get into the text today, I want to say something else. You have these uh, connection cards here. You fill out the front part, I pray. We're going to drop those in the joy boxes at the end of the service. Put prayer concerns on those as well. But you'll flip those over. You'll see on the back side there's a few things, some next steps for you to take. But what I want to mention to you right now is uh, we have signed up today for family groups. We've been spending, we spent 13 weeks walking with Jesus. And check this out. We're going to run... Uh, Family groups are going to run this curriculum right here. It's called In Pursuit of Jesus, and it's going to try to apply what we've been talking about. The sermon series wasn't explicitly from this book, but this is something that's kind of dropped in our laps. This is what we're going to be talking about. There's a table in the back. So if you want to be part of family groups, I would encourage you to check that box in the back, info about it. You can sign up today. They kick off next week. You'll want to go on that journey with us because faith without works is dead. If you can come into church and feel good about your religion and go out and ignore Christ in the world, you are not following the Messiah, which is far more important than empty words. Here we go. Let's pray. Father God, we are uh, humbled to be here today. We are humbled to have taken this journey with you to be able to see with new eyes as those who are following you. Let our words not be empty, but let them be followed with passionate chasing. Pray, Lord, today that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts. If we've come here and we've had a bad morning, God, I just pray you would take it away. If our hearts have been hard, we've been hurt before, I pray that you would just soften those places. You are the living God. You can speak for yourself. Pray today, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would dwell among us and speak into our hearts. Give us breath again. And may that breath always be returned to you in praise and in glory and in honor. And we pray these things today in Jesus' holy name. Amen. If you've been worshiping with us, I pray you brought your Bible today. And if, if you uh, are not a regular attendant, we have some uh, Bibles at the end here. You can just grab those up. Pat, look around. Somebody let a Bible pass that down. We're going to want to look at the Scripture today because we're not going to use the screens. So you're going to have to actually open your Bible up and read it with us. But you'll want to do that. I encourage you to engage the text. Here we go. Today we're going to look at three unique encounters that folks had after Jesus was resurrected. Now, we all know this story, and that's part of the, 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 the tr struggle here maybe a bit, is we, we know the story too well. Yeah, 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 Jesus died, and then he was raised again. I mean, it rolls out of our mouths like it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. And we're going to read three passages today to talk about what a big deal it was when the disciples were caught breathless before the living God. The first one's from Matthew 28, Matthew 28. Verse 1 through 10. I'm going to give you a turn there. The page number's on the screens. If you have a, a, one of our Bibles, this is 693. There's the page number. Matthew 28, 1 through 10. It says this. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week. Now, by the way, you remember, they took Jesus off the cross because the Sabbath was coming, and they couldn't do it that on the Sabbath. They went hanging there, so they took him, and they put him in the tomb. So as soon as the Sabbath was over, 
At dawn on the first day of the week, you see, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. I'm going to talk through this a little bit because some of the text doesn't exactly, it, it, they, they were going to see what was going on. It says, Mary went to see and to know what was going on. Now, this is the Matthew account, so it's a little different from some of the other ones where they say Mary went to, to put flowers. Or This text says they went to see and to know, to know what happened with Jesus' death. You can almost feel in their hearts there's a little bit. They're still hanging on. You know, the guys that are, that are dejected right now, these women come and there's something going on. They're looking. They're still looking. They're going to the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, it says, right? I love that. And an angel of the Lord stepped down from heaven. He literally walked down from heaven and going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and sat on it. It's a big deal. Like, you know, I have, I'm a, someone was talking earlier this morning about science. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty evidence kind of a guy sometimes. An angel comes down and pushes this monstrous stone out of the way, and I love what he does. He or she, right? The angel sits down, sits down on it. If you don't think this was a big deal, let's read what happened next. I just love how he sits down, though, right? It's like you're an angel, you come down. Watch what happens next. Check this out. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. That snow, did you see the snow this morning? Woo, snow on Easter. That's the snow they're talking about. It wasn't the brown snow you see on the sides of the road. You know, it wasn't even the snow that's on the ground. It was as white as the shimmering snow. It's literally the falling snow. It's not the, I always think the white as snow. Well, snow isn't always that white. It's the stuff that's pure, coming down, you see, white as snow, like lightning, his clothes appeared. Here's the reaction. He sets down. The guards were so afraid of him. Oh, there it is. He's a him. Okay, good. That they shook. And they became like dead men. They just fell over. Like literally, they just had like a convulsion. And then they were, it says necros. They were as if one who had no breath. Big things were happening at the tomb. These guys were put there to watch it. Make sure those crazy Christians... They weren't even Christians then. You know, that was the name we got after that. They were kind of making fun of us. You Christians, you know, little Christs. That's right. <laughs> These crazy followers of Jesus are going to come and try to take him away. So let's guard it. And this angel comes down and God's saying something. God's saying, oh, no, no. I, I don't need followers to come and take my son away. I'm taking him back. The angel comes down and sets on the stone. The guys fall like dead men, like they have no breath. And the women here don't seem to, to do, have that reaction to this angel. And this is what it says. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid because I know who you are looking for. You're looking for Jesus, the one who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. I want to say a few things about this. Mary, I would put Mary's here, right? That's kind of funny. The guards fall breathless. Bang, they're on the ground. Mary's were invited 
to come and see and go and tell. I think if the church is doing one thing, that's what we should be doing, you know? Hey, 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 come and see. Come and see. Because you don't have to believe me. God speaks for himself. Do you know that? You don't have, someone said the other day, you can't argue me into the kingdom of God. That's right. I agree 100%. There's no use in trying. But God has something to say about the kingdom. God has something to say about Jesus. And if you're brave enough to listen, your life will be changed. Come and see, the angel says, and then go and tell. I, I, I want to stop here for a second and, and ask this question. Why are, I said this, why are so many Christians so crazy? You see, because I was a non-believer for a long time, long time. And Christians really bothered me because they are always talking about Jesus. Drove me nuts, always talking about Jesus. But I want to ask you a question. If you're a non-believer and you're here today, I want to ask you a question. What if you had the greatest news you've ever heard? See, I've seen some of you talk. Man, you've got to check out this new thing I got at home. Wow, you got to get one of those digital TVs. Hey, check out my truck. Look at my guns. Look at this. We're so excited about everything in life. If you had the greatest news you had ever heard, what would your response be? What would it be? Think you would just go back home? I'll talk about that sometime. I'll wait till it comes up in conversation. i tell you why so many Christians are so crazy. Because it's the greatest news we've ever heard. You know? Maybe not. Here's another question. If it's the greatest news you've ever heard, and you ain't talking about it, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? So many of us get comfortable. Yeah, I get it. Jesus, I know. But this, this is going to make my relationship weird. I'm not telling you to be a weird. Oh, I am telling you to be weird because being weird is kind of fun, actually. But I'm not telling you to be weird, weird, you know. Be in their lives. Be with people. We invite you to come alongside of us. Hang out with us for a while. We're not that strange. But I'll tell you what, we got good news. And if we ever forget that we got good news, we're not at the church anymore. What would you do? I want to notice something else here in verse 7. Look at how this ends with the angel. He says this. He says, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Look at the last line. Now I have told you. <laughs> I don't know. I, I read that like he's kind of compelled. <laughs> you know, he's like, okay, now I've told you. You know, he comes down, moves the stone. The, the, the guy's fall dead. He looks at these two women and he says, go tell the disciples Jesus is raised from dead. He was crucified, but he's raised. Now I've told you. He's under orders. He's working for the king. The Marys were afraid and yet filled with joy. Let's read about that. So the women hurried away from the tomb. They were afraid yet filled with joy. And I gotta be honest with you, I don't know what that means. Afraid but filled with joy. How can you be full of fear and full of joy? I get a sense that sometimes maybe. I don't, I don't have a good feeling for that. But they ran to tell his disciples. They ran. It literally means they raced. And actually, you know what it means? It means they ran so fast that their hair, the, word, the root word is about hair. Their hair is just... It's the same thing that the Apostle Paul says, run your race. Don't slow down. Who cut in on you? That's the same word. Run, 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 run. These women run back to the disciples. They're breathless. 
They're not stopping. Matter of fact, this story gets so much about running around that in the Gospel of John, which we're not going to read, John says that him, it says the disciple that Jesus loved. If you want to refer to yourself in some way, you can do that. Like, that's what John did. You know, the one Jesus loved. Well, him and some guy named Peter were running to the tomb, and Peter went first, but the one who he loved got there first. That's John. People were running everywhere with the good news. Mary and Mary run, hair flowing behind them, racing to get to the disciples. And on the way, it says, suddenly Jesus met them, and he said, rejoice. That's what it means. Greetings, he said. See, it sounds so passive, you know, greeting. He said, rejoice. And then they came to him. They collapsed at his feet, and they worshiped him. Those of you who've been on the journey with us for a while, do you remember those wise men that came to the stable where Jesus was? Do you remember what they did? They were bringing the gold, Francis and Myrrh. They came in, and when they saw him, when they knew him, they collapsed, and they worshipped him. The word worship, it's the same word. Remember that weird stuff about being a dog? It means to kiss like a dog. It means they fell at his feet, and they just were present. They, you know, why do we love dogs? They just come up and they just, they won't, they, there's nothing you could do to stop these women from hanging on Jesus at that moment. Their master was home. They worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. I don't know if that works for them. I hope it does, you know, because there's always that part in you that you're still, you're still afraid. The living God. But Jesus says, don't be afraid any longer. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. So Jesus shows up for these two women racing from the tomb. I want to say this. There are times in our lives when we are so blessed to know. Does that make sense? There are times in our lives when we know that we know that we know. I heard a preacher one time say, if you don't know that you know that you know that you know Jesus is your Savior, then you're not saved. And I go, oh, brother, who can live up to that standard, <laughs> you know? Well, if you don't know that you know, and I was like seven, you know, I mean, it gets crazier and crazier. I'm like, you got to stop preaching. I can't think, like, I can't, what am I going to do? How do you respond to that? But there are times in our lives when we are so blessed to know that we know. And this is Mary's experience of the resurrection, their Savior. By the way, the Marys were there when the disciples were scattered. They were there at the foot of the cross. And when they saw the resurrected Jesus, they collapsed at his feet, physically, literally, resurrected, touching his feet. And he said, now don't be afraid and go and tell the others. They had seen the Lord. That's pretty special. There are times in our lives when we've seen the Lord. Let us rejoice in those times that we've seen him. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. We're going to start in verse 13. Now that same day, two men were going to the village called Emmaus. This is the same day of resurrection, the literal, the same day. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. I want to stop right there for a minute. I want to say this about this text. These two, I, I always wonder where the word homily comes from. They were homileoing each other. They were actually exchanging a conversation. There's different ways to talk. Um, these guys were having a, a dialogue. See, it was going two-way. And it says they were seeking together. This is one of my most exciting finds. It says they were uh, 
suzetoing. Zeto is my favorite Greek word. It means seek. But suzeto might be my new favorite word because it means we're seeking together. So it means that they were in the same, they were, they were looking, they were trying to figure this out. I only mention this because if you read your text with me, this is what it says. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. That's the way it sounds in our language. It sounds not that great. They were having this give and take. It literally means they were throwing the ball back and forth. They were seeking to understand what had happened with Jesus. Why he ended up on the cross. And the word, everything that happened, I would like to say it's what had come to pass. It actually means marching in time. They had seen enough to know that all these things had came together at the same moment in history. They had seen enough to know that something had happened, but they didn't know what. And now they're going to Emmaus. Emmaus, by the way, is the, the word is uh, warm baths. So I don't know if they needed a bubble bath. I'm not sure what they were doing there. But they're going to Emmaus. Let's read on. As they walked in verse 15 and talked and discussed these things with each other. Again, they were throwing that ball back and forth. What do you think, man? What do you think? Jesus himself came up and walked among them. But they were kept from recognizing him. That literally means their eyes were made powerless to see him. You know, I, I've heard people say about this text, like, they couldn't even see Jesus again, like, as if we, we know. We know, right? We would see Jesus. Their eyes were made powerless to see him. Why? Why not just let him see him right off the bat? Why? He comes up alongside them. And their eyes are made powerless to see them. To see him. Let's keep reading. So he asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stopped dead in their tracks. The question stopped their journey. And they, their faces became downcast. And it says one of them named Cleopas asked him, the stranger, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened here in these days? He's begging a question. Are you kidding me? You've been here and you have no idea what's happened? You see, there's an assumption here about the cross. There's an assumption that everyone knows what happened. Even a stranger on the street knows what happened in Jerusalem. Are you kidding? What are we talking about? So Jesus says this. What things? I want to take a minute here. I want to ask you to do something. I want you to switch off your Jesus eyes for a minute. Because the text gives us this. And it says, this is Jesus. I want you to see this as a stranger. You're walking along, having a good conversation, but you are confused about what God's doing in your life. You're tossing the ball back and forth. What does that mean? We're seeking together. And then all of a sudden, a stranger comes up behind you. And you look at him, and he says, what are you talking about? And you're like, <laughs> are you kidding? And then he says, no, seriously, what, what things? What do you mean? And they say, well, about Jesus of Nazareth, of course. He was a prophet, powerful in word and in deed, before God and before all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day now since all this took place. In addition, some of our women have amazed us. Again, that word means to be beside yourself. These guys were there when the women came back with the good news. 
Our women amazed us because they went to the tomb early this morning but did not find his body there. They came and told us that he was alive, that he had breath, zao. He was breathing again. They came and told us that they had seen visions of angels in verse 23 who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb, right, the two fast ones, and found it just like the women had said. But him, they didn't see. So the stranger says to them, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe that all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ, the anointed, the Messiah, the one who was coming, did not he have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. Now I want to tell you something. If you're, if, if you're a guest with us, you know, maybe you wouldn't understand this, but if you've been a long time follower of Jesus, this is the conversation I would love to hear. A stranger on a road says, are you serious? Let me explain God to you through scripture. And he started, it says, with Moses and all the prophets and explained what was said in scriptures concerning himself. But they don't know it. They don't see Jesus. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted. By the way, if you want to be a thespian, Jesus acted too. See, so you're good. That's all that, that means. It means he put on a, a pretend. He pretended he's going on. Jesus acted. He was pretending. And um, he pretended like he was going to go on a very long way away. But they urged him strongly. They literally kind of, forward, they said, no, 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 no. Because I'll tell you what, if you've had a guy explain this to you, you're going to say, no, 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 come to my house and have dinner. I'll tell you what, if, you know, you'll come to my house and have dinner. You know what I'm saying? Come to my house and have dinner. Uh, they invite him, take him by force. Stay with us, they say, because it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. Just come on, just rest your feet here with us. And so he went to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, again, the word is reclined. This is imagery of the Last Supper. This is the bookend for what happened before the cross. Jesus reclines at the table with these two men. And when he's at the table with them, he took bread he gave thanks, he blessed it, and he broke it. And then he gave it to them. And in that moment, their eyes were opened, and they recognized Jesus, and he disappeared from their sight. They were breathless for the risen king. So they started to ask each other in this moment. Now they're back to like, just what, you know? And they say, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? I wanna say, if you are here and you've been in a church, you've been around churches, you've been hurt by churches and you've had these experiences with God where his word has burned within your heart, you've heard truth proclaimed, you've believed it. I want you to hang on to those things because they're real. Jesus reveals himself 
through strangers. Sometimes we have a tendency to doubt. I never uh, cease to be amazed at the ability we have to doubt what we've experienced. I, we can experience something and five minutes later start to talk ourselves out of it. Well, no, no, no. I, I, have you had this experience? Have, have you had like the car wreck where you were almost killed? And then, and then you're like, in that moment, there's a reaction to the living God. Thank God I'm alive. And within 15 minutes, you'll be telling your friends how good of a driver you were. Man, I swerved around. No. God is alive. There are times when you may have gone and given your heart to Jesus. And then you've walked away and that wasn't really Jesus. That was that pastor. That was that preacher. He, he, they played that song. They, they played that song 15 times. That's why I went down there. That wasn't really. No, that was the living God reaching out to you. And I pray today your heart is being strangely warmed that he is reaching to you today. It's the little things we can see Jesus. And by the way, if you meet a stranger on the road, pay attention. It could be God speaking to you. That's a crazy thing. Jesus is alive. He is not dead. Therefore, do not be surprised if you encounter him. Are you watching on the road as you travel? The last scripture we're going to turn to here in John, the book of John. Chapter 20. And we're going to finish with this. This is another great, this is the third picture. A picture of the risen Christ. What he chooses to do with his time after he's raised from the dead. You see, his time on earth was short after he was raised. And he, he revealed himself in a few ways. It says this, now Thomas called Didymus, he's a twin, the, the twin, the twofold guy, one of the twelve, he was not with the disciples when Jesus had come. You see, Jesus had already come that same day and revealed himself to disciples in the room. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. You see, they're doing their job as Christians. They've seen it. Now they're telling it. You know, that's their job. And they, Thomas comes back and they go, Thomas, 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 Thomas. Eleven people. We've seen ten people. We've seen the Lord. And Thomas says to them, yeah, well, Unless I see with the nail marks in his hand and put my finger where the nails went, and unless I put my hand into his side, I will never believe it. That's Peter's response to his 10 best friends who've been following Jesus. That's a crazy response. Listen to the story in verse 26. One week later, Jesus' disciples were once again in the house. And Thomas was with them, with them this time. And although the doors were locked again, and I got a question for you. If Jesus showed up a week before in the locked room and said, peace be with you, and breathed the Holy Spirit on them, why in the world are they there a week later locked in the room? I don't understand that. If Jesus has breathed into your life, why are you still locked in a room as if you have no breath? as if you have no life, as if you were not following, as if he is not alive. But a week later, Jesus shows up again. And Jesus came and stood among them, and he says the same thing. He says, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. I got a heart for Thomas. What do we call Thomas? Does anybody know? 
the doubting, you know the scripture doesn't say he was a doubting Thomas. Isn't that funny? We just inject that on our own. Oh, don't be a doubting Thomas now. I want to tell you something. You know what doubting Thomas got? A revelation from the living God. Isn't that amazing? Is Jesus indignant? I've heard this text read like he's like, you know, oh, put your hand here. You know what Jesus does? He shows up and he says, look, Thomas, it's me. I want you to see Thomas's response. Thomas says to him, my Lord and my God, ruler of me and creator of the universe, Thomas has made the connection. He said something to his friends. I will never believe it. You can't argue me to the kingdom of God. You can't convince me. And if you dare to say that in front of the living God, brothers and sisters who are not yet brothers and sisters, he will come to you and he will make himself known. And you will have to turn a blind eye, not to other Christians, not to those weird people who talk about Jesus too much. You will have to turn a blind eye to the living God. Or you will respond like Thomas and say, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus said, because you have seen me, Thomas, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have still believed. Because there were those there who took it by faith. But I don't know where they were because he showed up for those guys in the room. And this is what, I love how John ends this chapter. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples. I'm thinking, write it down. <laughs> Which are not recorded in this book. But he says this, and I want you to hear this today. The ones that are written here are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. He's the son of the living God. And that by believing in him, you might find life. New breath. You see, I have a heart for doubting Thomases because that's, that's where I came from. And I want to tell you that no one could convince me otherwise, but there's a living God who will do his work if you will just stop turning a blind eye to the truth. I'm going to ask Matt and the guys to come back up. And I want to talk to you about something that we do here at Family Bible. We've been, we've been working through this. I actually want to invite you to be, to be uh, part of that, uh, thinking that through. What does our response to the word of God look like? How do, we, how do we respond when our hearts are strangely warmed on the road? What does it look like to respond to Jesus? I jotted down a couple of my notes. I hope you took notes on the back of your card. That's for you. That card, you know, someone said, you should put more stuff on there to help people guide. You know what? You should be having a conversation with God about what this means. Some of the things I wrote down on my list, how this looks like when I respond to this text, I should see other people as eternal beings, bearers of the image of God. I don't do that enough. I don't do that enough. I should acknowledge that life is a bigger picture, that life reaches beyond death. If nothing else, Christ proves that death is not the end. Do you know who the real optimists are? Those who believe that that is the end because they believe, well, I don't have to believe in God because death is the end. You're really an optimist. What did you have to say about your creation? Nothing. At the end, and then the last thing here is 
seeing past the surface of things. I want to tell you, if you're willing to slow down enough to listen to a stranger on the road, if you're willing to be in prayerful consideration, throwing that ball back and forth with someone, working out your faith in fear and trembling, wow, you will come to know the living God. See, too many of us think we have all the answers right here. We've got all the answers ourselves. But historically, God has worked through his people and through people that no one would ever expect to do his work. So I want to say about the response today. Here is the response. Today is the day, Easter is a day, where everyone responds. If you've been a Christian for 40 years, God be praised. We thank you for your wisdom and being here. Respond to the living God. If you were that person who had those experiences but don't know what it meant, don't know what it means, start talking yourself out of it. Praise be to God. You can respond to him again. And if you're the doubting Thomas, I dare you. I always say that to people. I dare you. Take it to him. You can go pick on Christians all you want, but it won't bring your salvation. We can't convince you into the kingdom of God. Go to the source. I'll tell you one thing specifically you could do. I dare you to read this book. If you're a Christian, I dare you to read this book. It'll change the way you live your life. It'll change the way you behave. It'll change the way you think. Today is the day it's Easter, you see, and everyone responds. What things are you talking about? What, you've been living under a rock? Jesus is raised from the dead. I invite you today to respond to that truth.